98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Because we're starting to see the sort of uh, you know groundswell of outrage, and especially from the players who are very important in this equation, I think maybe this is just the beginning and not the end. That was Howard Beck, NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, who was a guest on the Bickley and Murata show. He wrote a column that basically said the same thing on Sports Illustrated that uh, you know there are reasons why, when it comes to Robert Sarver, his year long suspension, the ten million dollar fine, and whether he's just going to be permitted to walk right back in a year from now continue to own the Suns or if something is going to happen between now and then. Um, he believes, like we've talked about for almost all week, Gambo, that this is this is the beginning of this story, not the, the not the end for Robert Sarver, that there's still far, far right. more that can happen when it comes that we really need to pay attention to to see how this story kind of evolves and develops. Sure. I mean, of course. I mean, the most important thing is the other people that own the team. I mean, there's 65% of this team is owned by somebody that's not named Robert Sarver. Okay, mm-hmm. 65% of it. So there are minority owners. Um, there was about 10 of them that came out and had a statement of support for Robert initially. Um, now, we know one of those... Um, what was Sam, Sam uh, Garner? Sam Garvin. Garvin. Yeah, Sam Garvin. He is now put, put, been put in charge. He had he showed his support for Robert. He's now in charge. Um, I know there's at least one owner named John the Joppy that you know has been uh, looking to. Uh, to try to get Robert out or to fight Robert on, on a, a bunch of different topics. So we'll see what, what he decides to do. But I think the owners are going to wait and sit back. Let's see what the players say. Let's see what the sponsors say. And then we'll get together and then we'll, we'll decide. There's another angle here. And I, I, you know, there's to bring up. I mean, if, if Robert is able to survive this, right? I mean, if everybody speaks out, this week goes by, next week goes by, media day goes by, the season starts. Okay. And this kind of gets pushed to the background. Yeah, there's a chance that he could come back as an absentee owner, like not the guy that's sitting courtside anymore. You know, he he you know, he was away from the team for a while when this first came out. Then he was then he showed up at the games, but he went in a suite to where he wouldn't be a distraction to the players or anybody around him. I think eventually he went back down to his courtside seat. But I mean, there's the chance that, you know, that he becomes more of an absentee owner instead of somebody that's constant, you know, that that's consistently at the game. Yeah. And whether that's good enough. And, and again, it all, whether this is the beginning of the story or the end of the story, it really all depends on, as you've said, and as we've talked about the reaction, the reaction, we saw LeBron yesterday. We saw the executive director of the players association, of course, Chris Paul's reaction on Twitter, uh, we, we've yet to hear from others. Media day is 11 days away. What are the ramifications with the sponsors, with the advertisers, with the people who write the checks? I mean, at the end of the day, this might very well become a money issue for the Suns and a money issue for the NBA. Like we kind of like what it was with Donald Sterling. Like we, we can't afford to allow him to continue in this role because we're just going to lose too much money by all these sponsors and all these partners dropping out. John Hollinger, who uh, used to work in the front office, Office of the Memphis Grizzlies, of course, have been a media guy, too, for many, many years, wrote a, a terrific, in-depth, long column today on The Athletic. And there are so many points that I wanted to get to. But his main takeaway from what he wrote 
He called yesterday the worst moment of Adam Silver's tenure as NBA commissioner, and he wrote, Adam Silver, you're on the clock. You have one year to get Robert Sarver all the way out of your league. And as bad as you might have botched yesterday, you are basically now in this position where a year from now, you can't allow Robert Sarver to just walk in and be the owner of the Phoenix Suns again. You have to work behind the scenes to see if he can get bought out. And he writes, unfortunately, quote, it will likely be up to sponsors, minority owners, the media, and even the players to do the league office's dirty work from here, especially given the absence of the smoking gun audio. But he needs to work behind the scenes to get this reputational stain off of the league's liability sheet by impressing on Sarver the impossibility of his continuing and canvassing for money to be ready with guys with a big check for when Sarver inevitably gets removed as owner. Like he, like Silver needs to work behind the scenes to see if he can get this to happen because he needs to get Robert out. That's his opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, in some ways, Silver punted. We talked about him punting, and, and that's why we said this isn't over. We, we got to see what, what the ramifications are. Like, okay, it wasn't going to be just so easy as, hey, there's a, the media was going to respond. Players were going to respond. Do We have not seen an advertiser or a sponsor respond. We have not heard of a minority owner respond. That could all come, and they may be waiting to see what happens. And I think that's wise. I think you you kind of see, you know, what you know what the landscape does. I mean, are, is everybody still on board? Are the sponsors still happy? I mean, listen, it is a great product to sponsor. Let me make no make no mistake about it. I mean, it's a it's a, Suns one of the best teams in the NBA. It's a beautiful arena, refurbished arena. I mean, it is a good product. You've got you've got big names in Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You've got a lot of nationally televised games that they're on. So to sit here and say that it's not, I mean, it's its to say that it's, it's not a good avenue to, to sponsor, it's wrong. It is. It's a great avenue to sponsor. Now, you know, morals and ethics and all of that stuff that comes into play, we'll, we'll see if somebody decides, hey, look, right now, um, you know, and maybe somebody steps back for a year or two years, and we're just going to wait and see what happens. We don't want to be a part of this. Now, we haven't seen that no. yet. So I don't know, and, and I, I loved Hollinger's story. I, I mean, I thought it was great. I just don't know how reasonable it is. I mean, what more can Adam Silver do? behind the scenes he had the chance to have inflict more of a punishment and he decided not to he gave him a 10 million dollar fine in one year and then like me and you said i'm gonna punt it and see what happens from there see where the chips fall yeah i i think uh, what adam silver can do behind the scenes i i, I don't know I, I mean these are things that are you know pardon the phrase but but way beyond my pay grade i, I mean these you're, you're talking about multi-millions multi-billions of dollars here at stake and and those kind of conversations quite frankly are a little above me in terms of what's going on behind the scenes but i it has you're right it has been quiet and even though we've had the lebron tweet and even though we've had the chris paul tweet and the players association tweet for the most part there i haven't noticed a large number of players like threatening things or saying hey do this or else we haven't heard from the minority owners we haven't heard from larry fitzgerald we haven't heard from others it's been kind of quiet on that front now this thing might fade and over the next few days this thing might kind of go away and slide out of the public view it'll slide back into the public view on Suns Media Day. It'll be unavoidable. It's going to be asked of Monty and James and all the players, and there's going to be no working around it on that day. And I don't don't know. I don't know what... 
I don't know how badly the NBA feels like it's got to get Robert Sarver out if that's indeed what they feel. I, I do agree with Hollinger that it's going to be awfully awkward if a year from now Robert Sarver, with all of this kind of hanging over his head, just steps back in and becomes the owner of the Phoenix Suns again. That feels like that's going to be a very awkward moment for everybody involved. I feel it has to be. I mean, I, I must. I mean, yeah, for everybody. I mean, I, I would think Robert especially, right, because of the the, the public embarrassment um, that you know of having to go through this and having people look at him differently. I mean, everywhere he, for the rest of his life, for the rest of his life. That's you know. I mean, this is a big national story. So he's he's always. So it's not going to be so easy. As, hey, what's up, guys? I'm back. Yeah, let's have, have a let's celebrate. Let's have a we got to have a cake and uh, my my glorious return and let's have a party. And I'm going to order a bunch of sub sandwiches, and I'm like that's not going to happen. Like, you, there's no glorious return to this, right? I mean, after the the public humiliation and embarrassment, if you do get to that point where Robert comes back, it'll be very, very quiet. He may not come back right away. May decide that I'm going to be more of an absentee owner than anything else in the time being, and just you know try to read the tea leaves like we've talked about. But to think he's just going to walk back into that office and they're going to throw a big party for him, yeah. like that's that's not going to happen. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're not going to miss any of our show. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. It was clear to Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph that the communication has to get better this week against the Raiders. Where did the issue go so wrong against the Chiefs? That's coming up. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there, Mitch. You know Led Zeppelin? little communication breakdown. Oh. From Led Zeppelin. It's good. I ain't no slouch. You know what? I mean, at some point, I might pull a gambo and say, crank this up. Give me a little ball. Give me a little ball right here. But, but do it. I'm going to wait for the chorus, but here it comes. Give it to me. Give it to me. Communication, uh, it did suffer some. You know, it was it was it was more about the operation. The entire thing suffered. You know, uh, our guys played hard. They 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 tried to tried to make plays, but the total operation was just wasn't good. They played very well, and we played awful. You know, and that's that's the bottom line. Vance Joseph today, Gambo calling it like it is when it comes to talking yeah. about his defense and the communication breakdown yeah. on Sunday. You know, one of the reasons, in all honesty, that I'm really looking forward to watching this game tonight is because now, you know, it's a better, it's better competition for the Chiefs. Let's see how good that offense is against the, uh, a team like the Chargers. You know, with uh, with their pass rush, let's let's. I mean, if Patrick, I, mean, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is throwing five touchdown passes tonight. It's a shorter week, so less time to prepare. But I am looking forward to that game just to see if the Chiefs' offense can continue to roll after what they did to the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of it. If the Chiefs destroy a Chargers defense that just took it to Derek Carr last weekend. Will right. we feel better? Will we will we come in here feeling like, better about the Cardinals? For- we're looking for any sign that the Cardinals defense is not as bad as it was last week. Look, there were no sacks. There wasn't much pressure. There were no interceptions. There was 
nothing to really get that excited about, to be honest with you. Buda Baker led the team in tackles again. Like, you know, there wasn't anything they like, oh, man, what a great game for, like, wasn't any of that. I mean... Majai Sanders didn't play. He was a draft pick we thought could. Cam Thomas played like Cameron Thomas played like four snaps. Um, Victor Dimukeji, who is a kind of a star in Kane, didn't do anything. So I I I am looking for signs that, but I think that sign's going to have to come more from the Cardinals than from yeah. anything else. But I am looking forward to see, like, because maybe the Chiefs are just really just that good. If the Chiefs come out and drop. 30-something points on the Chargers. I'll admit, I'll probably feel a little bit better about the Cardinals. Like, okay, they're going to do that to a lot of teams this year. But fundamentally, you're right. We we need to... That's just... that That's going to be a Band-Aid, right? That's going to make us feel better for a little bit. Like, oh, okay, well, they're going to do that to a lot of teams this year. We mostly need to see the Cardinals play better. We mostly need to see their communication improve. Their, their, and Vance met with the media today. He doesn't think it was the effort. He said it was more operational than the effort. Obviously, you got to coach better there because you can't play that way. Um, and, we, and when you do, you have to go back and look at what you did the previous weeks. You know, and in my opinion, it was more the operation than it was effort or anything else. You know, we just didn't play fast. We couldn't get lined up. The calls were coming out slow, and we didn't play clean enough. And they did. And when you play good people who, who are playing clean and you're not, it looks that way. Yeah, we can get a boost from watching the Chiefs kick somebody else's butt on Thursday night. We're not going to feel better about this Cardinals defense until we see them play well. You know, until well, he we talked about them not playing fast enough. That was interesting. Yeah, well, he okay. they didn't play fast enough. And and I'm glad you picked up on that because of course there's been a lot of talk about Isaiah Simmons wearing that green dot and you know, was the information coming in fast enough? Was it being relayed fast enough? He didn't think the communication breakdown was just on Isaiah. It wasn't just him, it was just a total operation of playing fast. Hearing the hearing the calls, hearing the personnel, knowing your job, you know, matching their routes, you know, and that that obviously was the biggest issue for us on defense. You know, and again, the operation wasn't tested before that game. You know, so we had no idea how it was going to look. I was hoping it was going to look good because in practice it looked great. But in practice, it's, it's, it's no stress, right? It's a, it's a controlled environment. And I thought the operation killed us, you know, along with them being very good. You know, and that, that's a, obviously that's a, that's a double-edged uh, sword. Hmm. You know, we talked about Cliff's comments, like, you know, like, really? Like, you know, like, you guys weren't ready for the Chiefs? And remember some of Cliff's comments yeah. after the game? Sure. Kind of baffling, right? Yeah, we had a bad week of practice, and 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 it was, yeah. Like they took it by surprise. I don't think guys surpri- understood the level they had to play at to play in a game like this or <laughs> right. you, along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the thing I'm going to say, I'm going to say the same thing about Vance and, and, and Cliff. Like, you don't, you don't get too many of those in the, in the course of a year. You, you get two, three tops. That's it. I don't. I don't. I can't have seven times. You hear that's on me. We didn't play good. It's on me. We didn't play fast enough. We didn't play strong enough. We didn't have a good week of practice, and that's on me. We didn't have a good week of practice. We weren't prepared, and the guys they we we under like we can't have that. Like you can't have that too many times. No. Last year at the end of the year, that was every freaking game: the Lions game, the Colts game, the Seattle game. I mean, it was every single week. You like you got to eliminate that. Like you got to just play better. Like and if you lose, you lose. 
I mean, if you lose a football game, you, the Detroit Lions went out there to play their asses off last week. They lost by three points. You know, I don't think anybody's saying the Dan Callagher team wasn't ready. They weren't prepared. No, most, if you lose, you lose. But to lose where, you know, you, you know, you're not prepared and you're not ready and you weren't expecting things, that, 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 that's a, that's an excuse that we just can't take. Yeah. And I know we've had the preseason conversation so many times and I, and I don't mean to bring it up again, but I, I am genuinely curious about next year. I, I, I get it. The Cardinals didn't play a lot of their guys. A lot of teams didn't play a lot of their guys. And I just wonder now in retrospect, you don't want to play Kyler? Don't play Kyler. You know, you don't want to play some guys that you're worried about. You know, J.J. Watt? Don't play J.J. Watt because you're worried about keeping him healthy. In retrospect, would it have been to your advantage that if you were going to have Isaiah Simmons have the green dot to play him in the preseason where he's wearing the green dot? You know, would it have been to your advantage to give the bulk of your defensive starters to avoid kind of that shock and awe of Kansas City in week one, would it have been to your advantage to give the bulk of your defensive starters more reps in the preseason so that Sunday wasn't the first time they were on the field together? Sunday wasn't the first moment where they were trying to figure it out when the bullets were live. And and again, if Kyler doesn't want to take a snap every preseason for the rest of his career, I don't know if I really care that much about that. But when you've got a guy, and the reason I'm thinking about this, I'm looking at a tweet from our buddy Mike Jarecki, who tweeted out this morning, hearing all this miscommunication after week one, I think it's evident that Jordan Hicks was the brains, the brains of the defense getting guys lined up. And when you don't have a guy like that out there and you're relying on inexperienced guys to do it, wouldn't it have benefited you to roll some of those guys out there in the preseason to give them some reps during live game action? Yeah, like like hindsight, right? I mean, we knew we kind of knew why they were doing it. They putting everybody in bubble wrap and Camp K and all of that stuff. Camp Cupcake is because of what happened last year in the second half of the season when it seemed like the team wore down and they didn't play well. And whatever they decided, I'm 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 sure that that's what they decided. They decided to um, have a a camp in which they didn't go that hard. I mean, they had a chance to have two practices against the Tennessee Titans. They bailed on that. They just did one. They didn't want to go that hard. And maybe part of that was, I, I think, this is my belief, I, I think that it was all done to try to save guys for the second half of the season and not put a lot of wear and tear on them in the in, the, in camp and preseason games. No, I, I think you're right. And I think it's easy to say this in hindsight, but I do believe this now, that there are guys on that defense they should have given preseason reps to. And, and not, yeah, no, and you're not, right. I think you make a good point. You know, Rest Kyler. You want to rest Kyler because, you know, you, you know, you, you're going to... You know, the, 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 your quarterback's the most important guy. Yeah, but there's no reason to not play that defense, uh, you know, a, a half of every game and, you know, let them get going and let them, you know, go into the first game of the season in, in peak performance. You want that. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the speculation, albeit maybe a little irresponsible, has already begun. Some are wondering whether the actions of Robert Server will impact Devin Booker. We'll tell you who said what next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. He's Sean Gambadoro. I'm Dave Burns. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this Thursday afternoon, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, the Burns and Gambo Show. Um, after we were off the air last night, the Chris Paul reaction came down on Twitter to... Um, 
the suspension of Robert Sarver for one year. His tweet, and I'll read it for you again in case you missed it. Um, two tweets. Uh, like many others, he wrote, I reviewed the report. I was and am horrified and disappointed by what I read. This conduct, especially towards women, is unacceptable and must never be repeated. I am of the view that the sanctions fell short in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all of the people that were affected. Close quote. He is, to the best we can tell, so far as we've been notified, the only current Suns player outside of the one-word wow tweet from Jay Crowder a couple of days ago to address this. Media day for the Suns in advance of training camp is, what, 11 days away now, I believe? Yes. So 26. Yep. So we'll have a few days to see if other players respond on social media. I saw something today, Gambo, and I, I forwarded it to you, and I wasn't surprised to see it. I don't think it means anything other than I think we're going to have to put up with a lot of this over the coming months and maybe the next year or so. There was a story on Hoops Hype. Who is the next star the Knicks are going to target? And it was just meant to be kind of this, okay, the Knicks didn't get Donovan Mitchell. Who will they go out and get now, right? Is it going to be Shai Gilgis-Alexander? Is it going to be... And I clicked on it. Well, actually, I didn't click on it. I want to thank Dave King over at Brightside for, for posting a picture of it on his Twitter account. One of the writers wrote, the Phoenix Suns are in a tenuous situation given what's happening with their owner. I'm going to go with Devin Booker because I don't know what's going to happen in Phoenix at this point. I have no idea how the players are going to react to this Robert Sarver news. I can see an upheaval coming. And I read that wow. and I thought, oh, that doesn't surprise me. doesn't surprise me that I read it. It's just a media guy from New York. He's just guessing. He doesn't know. But I imagine we're going to be, we're going to be in for a lot of this coming up. Well, I think that Book's in a tough situation, and, and I'll tell you why. He, his relationship with Sarver is a lot different than, say, a Chris Paul. His relationship with Sarver is more in, like, the Steve Nash category. As I talked about earlier, like, Steve Nash and, and Robert Sarver own a soccer team together, okay? There's a friendship there. There's business dealings there, Steve Nash and Robert Sarver. Booker has a similar relationship to Robert. Robert's helped him. Robert's helped him with business things. I think a boutique hotel in Scottsdale or something. There's something about a hotel that a player told me last night when I was talking with the player. Another thing is like houses, like Book's first house. I mean, he he leaned on Robert for, for advice and help with that stuff. So Booker's relationship with Robert is so much different than, say, a Chris Paul. Chris Paul came here. He was an established player who had made hundreds of millions already in popularity. And like he, he doesn't need Robert Sarver for anything. But Booker came here as a teenager. Right. Got his first big check. And Robert was there for him. He was there for him. He he nurtured him. He, he helped him. And so that's why you haven't heard anything from Devin Booker right right now. Now, he may still say something and feel like he has to say something. He may wait to media day. But I think he's just in a tougher spot because he's got a, a a, a Steve, more of a Steve Nash like relationship with Robert than than any of the other players do. So I, I now could you now let's get back to the to the story now. Could you ever get to the point where where Booker doesn't want to be here? I think, Bernsey, that that would ultimately depend on do other players when Chris Paul's gone, do other players want to come here and play? Not right now. All these guys are under contract. Your team for the two thousand twenty two twenty three season is set. Okay, unless somebody says, I don't want to play here, I want to be traded. I don't foresee that happening. But if no, but if for some reason players don't want to play here and Booker's like, man, 
I, if we can't attract the best players anymore. That would be the only way that I would see that you know that that book could end up going somewhere else. And that's the big variable in all of this. And and at, at this point, anybody, we're all guessing. We're all guessing what the player react. We don't know. I, I don't know if there's going to be. I, I know what happened with Donald Sterling all those years ago, and I know that was why I think the league felt in part compelled to act on that because they really feared that nobody was going to play for him. Nobody was going to want to play for them and that that kind of in that was one element of that story that sort of forced their hand i don't know if the same thing's going to happen here i just i don't i and devin booker is is man for for years you know this we did this right for years we wondered oh man is devin booker going to ask out is he going to want to leave is he going to be sick with the not winning and he's going to want to go and to his credit man he never said one negative word about the organization and never actually did anything to justify that concern, it nauseates me to think that we're kind of back to that point already. Like, oh God, is he going to want out? Well, he may not be, and he might he not, not be. be. I don't know. It's I don't even. I don't People even are bring know. It up. Sure, sure. I don't even know how he feels about it because he hasn't I, responded to it yet. Listen, I think this is my opinion here. Yeah. I've spoken with players, so. I think the majority of players aren't going to care that much about it. Phoenix is a great place to live during the basketball season. Think about the basketball season. October, November, December, January, February, March, April. This where's is this is one of the best places to live during that time. People love living here. The Suns have a great arena. They have a great practice court. They have a great coach in Monty Williams. They have a great GM in James Jones. I think a lot of that the structure the, the structure that's in place now is a lot better suited to handle this than a previous structure and not for nothing like if Ryan was the GM and Igor Kokoskov was the coach the structure now is better it's a better structure to handle this than if you had had an inexperienced coach or Great. say yeah. an inexperienced GM if you go back to some of the previous GMs and they were inexperienced it's a you, this is the best situation they've been in to handle this there's no doubt about that and 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 all of this concern and admittedly not knowing how concerned about this to be at the core of it while Robert might be the owner I mean Monty setting the tone and James setting the tone the way they do and I mean this is and Monty which is the contract extension this last off season James getting re-upped not that long ago as well you would think that those the presence of those two guys would be enough it's it's just it's not it's the not knowing that makes me uncomfortable Comfortable, right, it's it's kind of this idea of okay, I don't think they're going to react like that. Talking about the current players or players that might come here, but I just don't know. There was there was you know the the NBA Players Association executive director strong words yesterday. LeBron James strong words. Chris Paul strong words, but none of them, at least not LeBron and Chris, coming out and saying you got to get rid of the guy. That didn't happen, right? There was none. And if it, if either one of those guys had gone that far, then and maybe we'd have a different take on this today, or maybe I'd have a different take on this. For right now, I'm still very much in wait-and-see mode trying to figure out if the players are going to want out or the players are not going to want to be here. And maybe Monty's presence and James' presence can overcome any desires to not want to be here. I think he can. 
I think it can. Now, listen, I may be wrong, but I think it can. I, I think that the structure is strong enough with James. Now, you got to hear a lot, I think, on, me, on media day. You'll hear a lot about the, you know, the, the distractions, the outside noise. We're just focused on trying to win a championship. We're not happy with the way the season ended last year. We want to get back to where we were two years ago. We got the team to do it. Like, you're going to hear a lot about that, right? I mean, you know, some of these guys are not going to want to answer that question. Some may. Some may decide to punt and not answer it. Um, and I think the Suns will probably do a pretty good job between James and Monty and the crew there of just making sure everybody's aware that he, here's some of the questions that are going to be asked and you're going to be prepared to answer them. And, yeah. you know, a guy like Chris Paul doesn't need any any advice, but maybe some of the younger players do. Yeah, I I, I was listening to Jay Williams today with Wolf and Luke, and, and one thing I agree with completely is that the responsibility to create any kind of change shouldn't fall on the players. I just hate how, like, the responsibility gets put. Well, the players are the ones that can really create change, and they have to do it. I'm, I'm sitting there saying, no, like, the system should do that. Right. Yeah. The system should course correct. Like, why are we asking these guys to do it? It just puts unwanted pressure on guys to think about, and we all think about things bigger than our jobs. It's just, it's unfortunate for yeah. them. And I'm not putting any pressure on anybody to do anything. I'm just curious if they are. You know, that, it, that's more than, more than anything. I'm just curious to see if they apply that pressure or if this is just not like the Donald Sterling situation at all. I don't know. No, the pressure's got to come from like five different angles. If anything's going to happen, yes. it has to come from the players. It has to come from the media. It has to come from the owners, the minority owners. It has to come from the sponsors. I mean, if it's a, you know, if it, if it, if you're getting hit in all those directions, then maybe something happens. But if not, then probably not. I mean, probably it's a it's a one year punishment, a ten million dollar fine, and you know, in. If if you get by media day and you get to the start of the season and no sponsors have pulled out, no owners have forced to vote, well, then it's very likely that he's just going to serve his one-year suspension and and then and, and he will come back as the principal owner. You can subscribe to the Burns and Gambo Show podcast just like you would any of your favorite podcasts. Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you're not going to miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higher price dot com that's higherprice.com if you ask the head coach he hopes their success on the road last year carries into this year if you ask the quarterback you're going to get a very different answer that's coming up burns and gambo 98.7 fm arizona sports station burns and gambo I hope so. I hope so. Um, I, I think our, our group does a great job of kind of locking in in the road, being around each other, team hotel, all those things. And um, so hopefully that we, we feel some confidence from the success we had and we can build off that. The question to Cliff Kingsbury yesterday, can road success from last year carry over to this year? And in the wake of what happened against the Chiefs last Sunday, you, I, at least I did, I kind of forgot, oh, yeah. They were really good on the road last year. They were great on them because they weren't good at home. Strangely good. Yeah, I mean, like they were terrible at home. They haven't right. They haven't won a game at State Farm Stadium in almost, almost a calendar a year. year. Right. It's been like eleven months since they've won a game in their own building. But on the road last year, Gamble, let me run through these real quick. They led the NFL in points scored, total touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, passer rating. They had the best turnover margin on the road. They had the most forced fumbles on the road. They had the most fumble recovery. On the road, they had the fewest turnovers on the road. What the hell? Right? Like, like, it's unexplainable. You can't explain it. I mean, you can't explain it. I mean, it's not like there's not a you know there's there's other fans in these in these buildings, but the Cardinals have not had to go to a silent count that I've known that I've known at home like the Rams have. 
Yeah, you'll get some Chiefs fans. You'll get some Seattle fans. There are other fans that get into this building. It's not a perfect situation. But the Cardinals have a lot of fans, have a good home field advantage. They should have a good, good home field advantage. You know? But it's not... I mean, man, they're almost, they'd almost be better playing at Sun Devil Stadium when it's 110 degrees because that was a little bit of an advantage. The other teams weren't prepared for that heat. It's true. It's true. They weren't prepared for that heat. Oh, God, I remember you know, you were. You practiced outside. You were prepared for the heat. They weren't. I, I didn't, There's no explanation. There's no logical explanation for why the Cardinals can't win games at home. No. They should have a good home field advantage. For some reason, they don't. No, they, sh- they should. And there's no, there's no logical explanation for why they played better on the road last year other than to just kind of chalk it up to it's just one of those random things that they probably won't be able to repeat again this year. Kyler was asked the question yesterday, and um, he, he gave a very different answer than Cliff Kingsbury. Why were you good on the road last year? Uh, again, I, this, this is a new team. I, this is a new, new, uh, new journey. I, you know, this is our first test on the road against a, a damn good team. So, um, well, we will see. It's almost like say, come on, guys. I mean, it's it's like that was last year. Last year was last year. This is this year. To think that it's going to carry. Now, if they go out and beat the Raiders, and you sent me a screenshot today of I don't know what website it was. I think it was CBS Sports. Every single writer they had predicted Vegas was going to win. I saw a story today. Somebody picking against the spread on the Athletic website. They picked the Vegas Raiders to cover the spread. I don't think the Cardinals are going. That was SI. The one I sent you, okay. Sports Illustrated. I don't. I don't think they're gonna every writer picked pick them. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna get a lot of love to win this game. But if they do, or if or if they go out and dominate the Raiders on the road, then we're gonna come in here on Monday and have another serious conversation about why this team does so much better away from home. And I I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if anybody knows I, the answer to that. Yeah, the the one thing I do know the answer to is one of these teams' fan base is gonna be losing their mind because they're gonna be zero two, and the other one's gonna be like, okay, we're okay, we're all right. We're we're not as bad as we thought we were after the first game. I mean, the Raiders lost to the Chargers division game. Cardinals got blown out by Kansas City, but you know nobody wants to start zero and two, especially the Cardinals. I don't know who the Raiders have next week, but the Cardinals got the damn Rams next week. So, and the Rams get it. I think they get they they had the extra time to prepare, and I think they get Atlanta this week. They should have an easier game with the Falcons. So that like this this is kind of a big game for both teams because you don't you know even though it's an extra game and it's a seventeen game season, you don't want to start zero and two. No, and then with the thought of zero and three, I mean, okay, I'm looking. I, I, I'm looking at the Raiders. I, I don't know what the, I'm looking at the yeah, Raiders' ahead. schedule right now. You ready for this? All right. Yeah. Home against the Cardinals at Tennessee. Home against the Broncos at Kansas City. That's their next four games. Well, the Broncos are terrible. They can't even be Geno Smith. <laughs> oh, you know what? You said that. <laughs> Mitch. Mitch is. He stepped away from the board. Eric is running. the He board ran right away. Now. He knew you were going to say something. <laughs> he could sense it. He's like, I need you to come in here. As well, just that Drew Locke as the quarterback. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. So Brock Osweiler. Any. I mean, anyone trust Russell Wilson on fourth and five? Come the, on. The Raiders. I mean, they're staring a brutal schedule in the face. I mean, so are the Cardinals, but that's... Home Cardinals, against- listen. Go ahead. Cardinals can, Cardinals can win this game. Okay, the Raiders are not world beaters. They're not, they're not better than Kansas City. They're not better than San Diego. They're probably on par with Denver. I think they're good. Like, I like Carr, but Carr's not a top 10 quarterback in this league, like Mahomes is. 
I mean, they're a good football team. Like, but the car, it is interesting that the, car, the Cardinals have had success on the road. I'm yeah. going to play that up if I'm the Cardinals and I'm Cliff Kingsbury. This is, this is where we're happy. This is our comfort zone. We like going on the road. We're comfortable here. We like playing these games. While we're on the topic of random things, um, I also sent you a story today. It was, it was a story from a Raiders website saying that it's time for the Raiders to ramp up their running game. And they cited a stat that blew my mind. I, I, I had no idea this was a number. A recent tweet by NFL 345 illustrates how important the ground game is in the league. Last season, there were 103 100-yard rushing games during the regular season. Those teams won nearly 72% of the time last year. Are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Like, I like. I, are you having a hard time? I'm, you, the the hater of all things running back, not not wanting to pay minimum. Are you okay talking about how much the running backs affect the team's ability to win a football game? Right here. Okay, they even went back and looked at it for the last five years, Gambo. This yeah. blows my mind. You have it a hundred. You have a hundred yard rusher. You win about seventy five percent of the time. You have a hundred yard receiver. You win about fifty seven percent of the time. You have a three hundred yard passer. You win about fifty five percent of the time. Okay. Okay. Can we go? To, can, can we go, Doctor Obvious here? Sure. Please do. Go, Doctor Obvious. What do you? What do you do when you're heading a football game? You run the ball. You run the ball. Run what the do you ball. do when you're behind in a football game? Clock. You throw the ball as much yeah, as you, you possibly there, can. There's, there, there, there's your answer. There's, there's I mean, it, like, like this obvious. isn't that difficult. I know. It, it, no, you're right. Your when you get ahead by a couple scores, you you run the football. You take time off the clock. You you physically try to manhandle and dominate that team. I'm a big fan of the running game. Now, you know, okay, if the, if it's a close game. You know, you know, it, it all depends. Like if if you're constantly in third and long, you're going to throw the ball. If you're constantly in third and two, you're going to run the ball. So situations will dictate if you're going to run or you're going to pass more. But you know, teams that are successful and win and get ahead, they tend to run the football a lot more. And when you do that, there's more of a chance of a guy having a hundred yards. Just like there's more of a chance of a receiver having a hundred yards. When how many yards did Devontae Adams have last week? He had well over 100 yards receiving. Yeah, and they and they, they lost. Win. Yeah, they didn't win. Christian Kirk had a big game, and they lost. Yeah. So a lot of times when you're behind, you throw the ball a lot, and that leads to those 100-yard games. Just for fun, I looked it up. There was a 100-yard rusher in five games the Cardinals played in last year. The team that had the 100-yard rusher won four of the five games. The only wow. one that lost was Dalvin Cook. He ran for 131 in Week 2, and the Vikings lost that game. All the other times, Chase Edmonds for Arizona, Craig Reynolds, Jonathan Taylor, and Rashad Penny against Arizona. Their teams all won, and all of those running backs had over 100 yards rushing. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, we first learned about the results of the Robert Sarver investigation. We wondered if players specifically Suns players were going to speak out. A few very prominent ones did, including the leader of the Phoenix Suns. We'll tell you what they said next on the Burns and Gambo Show.